everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of May 13th through May 17th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Can't let you do that, Colin McIsaac. Do what? Introduce know. Ben LeMoreau? Yeah! Hey, that's me. <laughs> so this week, we are back with two new segments geared directly towards you incredible listeners. Uh, there really hasn't been much going on for Nintendo this week besides an interview with Kimishima, uh, which we haven't even really quite finished deconstructing yet, so we'll talk about that all uh, in next week's news block. But for today, we're basically picking up where we left off last week when Alex's internet fell to pieces, so let's hop on in. Uh, first up is Trainer Tips, a segment where we help you listeners out there struggling with whatever part of your gaming life. And afterwards comes the Sacred Realm, where the three of us beautiful goddesses listen to your prayers and share our thoughts on whatever subjects you'd like us to discuss. Beautiful golden goddesses. Yes. So without further ado, let's take it to Trainer Tips. We are with Trainer Tips, a new advice segment on the show where we read emails from listeners like you when you're having trouble navigating the cold, hard world of gaming and offer our incredulous insights. Let's just jump right in. First up, Don Lewis asks, could you give us some advice as to which weapons work best with which stages in Splatoon's Turf War and Ranked Battle Modes? Uh, ben, I know you don't have Splatoon. Alex, do you have any thoughts on these? Um, for Turf War... There's really no hard answer to this question because it's really down to your playstyle. But uh, a couple that I've noticed, a couple stages where there's you know certain weapons that have a distinct advantage are on R1 and Maul. The uh, chargers are like super OP, just because there's so oh, many spots to perch and uh, hmm. and most of the arena is a uh, corridors. Um, it's really easy to pick people off because they have really nowhere to go and hide. Um, and then I guess my other suggestion for Turf War would be any weapon that has kind of a widespread. Uh, I personally like the Aerospray. It shoots, it doesn't shoot very far, but it covers a lot of turf. Yeah, I use the Aerospray a lot too. I'll jump right in here real quick before you go to Ranked Battle, because I actually don't have any advice for Ranked Battle. I hardly ever do that. Um, but Turf War I play a lot, and uh, I use the Aerospray too, and I find that the range issue can actually be be helped by if you sort of aim up and down. Yeah. Uh, you'll sort of get this this great arc that, that helps the, the wide range of the uh, Aerospray plus arcing up and down gets this great arc motion going, and uh, you can cover so much ground. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little sick today. Uh, so much ground so thoroughly. So I really love the Aerospray. Um, and I also find uh, that it, it's really useful for uh, being able to cover the ground and, and swim away. And I've got a loadout that combines it with a motion sensor bomb. So that's super, super useful for me because I like to sort of uh, cover my area, go swim around, hide a bomb somewhere sneaky uh, where I know it's going to kill someone. And then if I can't swim around and pick them off, then often the bomb will do it for me. Um, so aerospray has been great for me. I really love that thing. And then, of course, the Inkzuka, um, you know, tap the gamepad screen. Because that you can actually uh, fire off in the last few seconds of the battle and ink the stage after the clock has ended. So, if you know, if you, if you use your special weapon at the very last second and then, you know, throw it off, it gets you an extra little bit of time there, which is really nice. So that's my choice. Yeah. That's my advice. Yep. Um, as for ranked battle, 
sort of another cop-out answer where there's not really a single, uh, there's not really a particularly good weapon per stage matchup. It really comes down to your play style. Um, I will say, though, that most large stages, so for example, uh, Hammerhead Bridge, uh, Morai Towers, and uh, other large stages like that, uh, I've noticed that the beacons are very useful um, in getting around the stage as quickly as you need to get around the stage, Um, especially toward when the the opponent has kind of started to take over turf if you've got uh, stuff behind enemy lions. uh, That can be really helpful. Um, I really like in the uh, tower control mode, I really like using uh, blaster weapons because the uh, blast radius of the the projectile can take out most of the people on the tower if you if you aim it correctly. So that's been my weapon of choice for for tower control mode. Uh, my wife is like super into ranked battle, and her weapons of choice are chargers, just in general for all stages, uh, but especially stages where there's uh, high up perches. And also, she loves using the rollers. Um, they're especially useful in the splat zones mode because you need to cover a lot of turf really quickly. In in hmm. uh, so they're, they're useful there, but only if you have a good team to back you up, though, because you're not gonna you're not gonna survive very long if you don't have a good team to back you up. It's interesting that you say the chargers are really good on the high perches because that's what I really love the arrow spray for. Um, because, I mean, first of all, you know, I was talking about getting the arcing motion. It's got the, the wide sort of fan direction to it. Um, so I really love, like, for example, in Black Belly Skate Park, getting up to the top in the middle, putting a motion sensor bomb there in case anyone comes and gets me and then they try to jump up, it'll get them and I can come back. Um, but, you know, if you stand on the top in the circle and just spray all around, um, it's areas like that, Moray Towers, another good example um, Arowana Mall has some good high perches, like you mentioned, for doing that, although it's not quite... Uh, the circular motion is really, really useful. So, um, Another strategy that I really like using uh, on spot zones is actually taking an ink brush, because uh, if your team has really good uh, zone control, you can kind of hide out in the, the corners, and as the opponents try to kind of come in and take the zone, you just wa- sneak up to them and, and swipe your brush at them, and they die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really fun in Black Bull Escape Skate Park to take the uh, center tower and just swish the ink brushes toward the spot zones on either side. Um, if, again, if you have a really good team defending the tower, you can, you can hang on to, to the zones pretty easily that way, too. Um, so, yeah, it really boils down to your play style um, and experimenting with what strategies you enjoy using because uh there are a lot of strategies that are really good like a lot like the charger strategies for example but i really don't like using chargers so for me i would prefer to do anything but use a charger um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's there's no there's no surefire thing because you really don't know what will match your play style until you try out the strategies but uh those are some suggestions anyway yeah, so, I mean, try some of them out and, you know, be sure to try out lots of different kinds of weapons, lots of different loadouts for your special abilities as well. Um, you know, I, I think the more you experiment, the more you'll find what you are really, really suited to as a player. So Yeah, because everything, everything has its place in Splatoon, and that's right. that's sort of the beauty of Splatoon. So there's really, there's really <laughs> no surefire answer. Yeah. All right, good. Well, uh, let's move on to Cameron Landry, who is 15 years old, and he asks, I want to expand my GameCube collection, and I'm wondering if you have any ideas. I already have WarioWare, Super Mario Sunshine, Metroid Prime, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Uh, Do either of you guys want to chime in first? Uh, I've got a few suggestions here. Uh, So the first one is Resident Evil 4. Uh, Mm. I don't know if 
I suppose if you're 15 years old, there might be a little bit of problem with that. So I guess ask your parents first. But, you know, I think a 15-year-old can handle uh, Resident Evil 4, right? Come on. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if if you're kind of used to modern shooters, the controls may feel a little bit dated and a little bit clunky. But I, I don't think it takes that long to really get used to them. And once you do, it's there's a reason why it won so many Game of the Year awards when it came out and why it's been heralded mm-hmm. as one of the best sort of survival horror action games of all time. It's just, it's a non-stop, like, ride of intense moments. Like, every time you think, okay, that was the, like, most intense, scary thing that's happened, it's, it's it can't possibly get more than that. Then you get, like, you know, maybe five minutes of downtime, and then something else crazy happens. So the the whole thing is just a fun ride, and it's... It's really long for a survival horror game, too. Like, it usually, it's probably going to take you more than 10 hours to beat it on your first playthrough, which is pretty great for, a, you know, a single-player campaign in a uh, in a horror game like that. Um, how would you say that Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube compares to the Wii? Do you, do you think that, you know, if he's going to experience Resident Evil 4, which mm-hmm. do you think he should play it on? You know, well, I, I, I've played it both with kind of like the standard controller and the motion controls, and I guess... It kind of comes down to the person, because I've heard some people say that they absolutely can't play it with a Wii Remote, that it just throws them off, and I've, okay. uh, I've heard other people say that that's the only way they can play it. I was okay. able to play it pretty fine both ways. I think I prefer the standard controller over the uh, okay. the Wii Remote point-and-click controls, but I had a lot of fun with both versions. Cool. Yeah, I know, like, for example, Metroid Prime, I mm-hmm. can only do the Wii Remote, you know, I, I like, I can't do the GameCube controller for that. Yeah, I definitely Motion prefer control, the Wii Remote especially for, for first-person games. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, sounds like you had another game, too. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple more. I'm, I'm, okay. Even though I didn't really grow up with a GameCube, I was kind of excited to come up with some uh, some ideas for that, for, uh, <laughs> for right. how I can answer this question. Uh, I, uh, one of my best friends growing up had a GameCube, and so most of my experience playing uh, GameCube games was multiplayer games, because, you know, we'd hang out on weekends and I'd try to trash him in all his games. Uh, so we played uh, a lot of Double Dash and a lot of Mario Party 6, and if you've got friends that would, you know, if you've got extra GameCube controllers, absolutely pick up games like that, because they're both just outstanding party games that are a ton of fun. Definitely. And then the, uh, the last game I have, it's sort of a cheat, but the Mega Man X Collection, if you haven't played all of the old Super Nintendo and PS1 Mega Man X games, it's the, the first six or five, I think, games all in one GameCube disc. And uh, they're they're pretty quality games, so that's a, nice. it's a good bargain if you can pick that up. Sweet. I guess I'll go next. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so first off, uh, I would suggest F Zero GX. Oh, yeah. that game I was is about that one. probably one of the best racing games I've ever played. Not just on a Nintendo console, but on any console. Um, yeah, it's. I feel like it's a lot easy, a lot more accessible than than past uh, F Zero games. Like this, the skill barrier is much lower in terms of uh, just getting into the game. But at the same time, if you get it, play the challenge modes, it can be really, really, really difficult. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, playtime that you can get out of the game. Plus, it has a really fun multiplayer. Uh, it's really fast. Really love the track designs. Really love the art style. Uh, I'm not a super huge fan of the story, but the sheer cheesiness of it. And the yeah, I was gonna say the campaign mode is, is so worth silly. it anyway. Um, <laughs> so perfect for the vibe of F Zero, right? Um, and for Captain Falcon, if you oh, like totally. love the way he's presented in Smash Bros, you definitely yeah. need to experience him in, in F Zero GX for sure. Yeah, great game. Don't want to spoil anything, so sorry we're being vague, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one, Super Mario Strikers. Um, I know a lot of people mm. prefer the Wii one, but now that the online has kind of gone away, I feel like there's really 
not that much point in playing the Wii one over the GameCube one. Um, I personally prefer the GameCube one. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Mm -hmm. sad that this series hasn't gotten more entries, but at the same time, I'm glad that it hasn't because that Nintendo hasn't had the chance to milk it to death yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're not like super in-depth soccer games or anything like that, but kind of like if you've ever played the original Mario tennis, it's a, it's a great sports concept and a great mixture of Mario and sports and a very pure sort of simple Nintendo sports game uh, before Mm -hmm. they got too, too formulaic. Um, Interesting. I haven't had a whole lot of experience with the Mario strikers games. Um, I've played them briefly. Uh, They seemed a little too, I don't want to say too complicated, but I feel like they didn't quite get the video game translation of soccer, right? If that makes any sense, just the way you control it. Um, but uh, it was too long ago, and uh, it wasn't for long enough, so I don't know that that insight is worth anything. Yeah, to I you, feel Cameron. like you you have to play a few matches, mm-hmm, if, especially sure. if you're playing against another human player. You have to play a few matches before you raise. Yeah, I was playing numbers. against a friend who knew what he was doing, so I'm yeah. sure that didn't help. Yeah, that, that would that would screw you up for sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, another suggestion is Soul Calibur Two, the GameCube version. Uh, oh, not just yeah. because it has Link in it, but because Soul Calibur Two is just a, a pretty good fighting game. Um, yeah. One of the few combo-based fighting games that I actually enjoy playing. I'm usually not a super huge fan of the ones with the uh, complicated combo inputs. Um, I haven't honestly played like through the single-player content very much because I mostly just like beating up on my friends. So I can't really speak too much <laughs> to that. Uh, there's an interesting like dungeon running mode that I uh, that I liked. I would imagine the single-player content isn't too deep. I remember I got Soul Calibur 4 because I really wanted to play as Yoda and Darth Vader. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so that was my first Soul Calibur game. And I remember that the single-player content was not particularly rich. It was essentially, it, you know, it's your basic fighting game story mode. You go through yeah. 10 or so players and that's it. Which is sort of funny that you bring that up because I feel like there have been a lot of complaints lately about fighting games either not having enough single player content or not living up to other ones that have been adding single player. They've content. never had single player, and content. yeah, that that was that was where I was where I was going with that is, is yeah. they don't they never really do. They're all about the yeah. like, the competitive multiplayer experience. Uh huh. But that's a you know a whole other subject for another time. Sure. And then I have um, I have two more sort of offbeat third party uh, suggestions, and one of them is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. It is by no means a full-fledged Final Fantasy game, but I really love the art style. I really love the world. I actually really loved even the simple action-based gameplay. Um, it, that said, it does get kind of repetitive, so if you don't like repetitive games, then that might not be for you. But it's a, it's a fun, cute little uh, Final Fantasy romp, um, and if you have the uh, Game Boy Advance GameCube connectors, more power to you because it makes the game much more fun. And then my other nice. suggestion is Lost Kingdoms, which is a game by From Software, huh. who most people know as the creators of the Souls games. This is actually a card-based battle game, and if you've heard me talk in the podcast before, you probably know that I hate card-based <laughs> games, but I really liked Lost Kingdoms because Lost Kingdoms was more of a an action-y card hybrid. It's hard to explain aside from that. You, you get cards that represent monsters, and you summon them basically as your attacks. And so the whole point of the game is to stack your deck with the best monster summons that you can so that you can take on the monsters that you find as you uh, explore the world. Um, hmm. If, you know, a difficult RPG from From Software that's, you know, different than most RPGs tickles your fancy, then then definitely go for that game. Cool. 
Uh, well, before I get into my suggestions, uh, I want to just bouncing off of the Mario Strikers game suggestion, uh, something that I forgot, but Mario Superstar Baseball, mm-hmm. I loved on the GameCube. It's a fantastic baseball game. Um, I think it's one of the best Mario sports games. Yeah, it was another game that uh, that I would play with uh, my buddy that had a GameCube. Yeah, a lot of fun. And, you know, speaking of bad campaign modes, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> surprisingly enough, this one actually had a really good one for a Mario sports game. Yeah. Um, you sort of assemble your different teams, and you can choose your team captain and, you know, play as, like, the Wario team or the Mario team, the Donkey Kong team, and then go all around the board recruiting all these other team members from the other teams, playing against each other in the league, making your way up, and then eventually fighting Bowser. Um, It was really surprisingly robust, and you could play it a lot of different times as the different teams. So that was really great. Um, But... uh, so I got a couple suggestions. I, I, I thought we were going to hear more about Pikmin or Luigi's Mansion or the Wind Waker. Um, you, you know, the, the usual classics. So I, I neglected to recommend those, although absolutely you should check them out. Um, but So I'm going to throw into the ring Pokemon XD, Gale of Darkness. I think that and Pokemon Coliseum deserve a lot more recognition than I see them getting. Uh, you know, they, they do a really, really good job bringing the Pokemon experience to a home console, while at the same time shaking up its formula in a really cool way that doesn't compromise the sanctity of the traditional sort of handheld games. Um, and so on top of that, and I guess those two, uh, if you want to check out Coliseum as well, I'm going to add Chibi Robo and Custom Robo, the former of which I got really invested in and still love to this day, and the latter of which I have never played, but I hear really good things about it. I, I rented um, it once, and it, it was it was fun. If you like, you know, again, it's another one of those offbeat games. So if you like yeah, the totally. offbeat side of Nintendo and uh, you really want to experience what was going on in the GameCube era, definitely check out Custom Robo. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with that, actually, is that, um, you know, these two games are experiences that you really won't get anywhere else. They're they're odd, they're a little experimental, they're very deeply tied to the GameCube era. Um, so, you know, I, I think you'd be remiss to overlook those kinds of games uh, when we're talking about this. You know, obviously there are others that can serve that same sort of purpose, like there's Warrior World, there's Billy Hatcher, there's Pokemon Channel. Um, but I really think that those two, Chibi-Robo and Custom-Robo, are the most crucial ones for that that wacky sort of offbeat, as you put it, Alex, uh, moment in Nintendo's history. All right, well, it sounds like we are done with trainer tips, so let's move on to the Sacred Realm. And here we are in the Sacred Realm. Alex, Ben, and I are the three golden goddesses of Hyrule, and you dear followers pray for us to pontificate on the subjects that you guys want to hear. Can I be Nehru? Go for it. (laughs) Uh, So first up, Jacob Rigby asks what we think of the unequal distribution, he says, of virtual console games for North America and Europe, where some games are exclusive to Europe or arrive earlier than in North America. Jacob says... It's an issue that seems to be overlooked by most fans, and it's not really fair that people from different regions don't have easy access to these great games. Do you guys have any thoughts? Well, I mean, first off, I think most fans don't even know what releases in other regions to begin with, uh, on the virtual console (laughs) Uh side anyway, because there's no real... Unless you really, you know, have your fingers on Nintendo's pulse, there's really not much visibility into that unless you live in those regions. Well, you can read Gamnesia every day. That's true. (laughs) 
But but most people don't. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's not <laughs> yeah. it's not something that's important to most people. You're right, and and that's why it's overlooked by most people. In fact, most people don't even see it. <laughs> so yeah, so let's yeah. get that get get that out of the way. Yeah, I would agree. I don't really see it as much of a problem. You know, it is kind of annoying to keep track of it uh, for those who do. But I don't really use the virtual console much, and for the most part, everything seems to come from Europe to North America in just a matter of weeks. Um, you know, so I can't really complain, but I do empathize. I'm I'm sure it's frustrating. So the rational part of me says. Uh... You know, N- Nintendo, they have to deal with localization things and sometimes licensing. And, you know, they're not going to release a game in a region if they don't think it'll sell well. So there's, you know, plenty of reasons why a game will be delayed from in one region or not come to it all. But then uh, the other side of me says, I really, really want Super Mario RPG. And Europe already has it oh. and we don't. And that's bullshit. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that, actually. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I. I do agree and, uh, with that. I, I remember being upset that they got uh, Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Fusion like a few weeks or a few months before North America as well. But mm-hmm. you know, overall, I don't I don't think it's too big of an issue. But there's every now and then there's a key title that doesn't make it to North America or doesn't make it for a few months at least that uh, sort of ticks me off a little bit. For sure, for sure. I think for the most part, I've got the actual original physical versions of most of the games that I want to play, so mm-hmm. it doesn't concern me too much. But certainly, like, when stuff comes out like Super Metroid or the Donkey Kong Country games, um, you know, when there are certain key titles for me, too, where if they if they launch on the Virtual Console, I'll consider rebuying them. Um, but for the most part, I'm perfectly satisfied with the, the games that I already own at home. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I said before that I think most people don't notice this, but I also think that as Nintendo is kind of moving into their new era, it would be really nice to see them become more global in how they approach digital distribution and in particular virtual console distribution, because it's been something that's been so sort of out of sync for so long, uh, that if we're going to be seeing Nintendo put on this new face where they really are executing things really nicely, um, that would be a really good sort of sign if they can get these games, which have already come out, in, you know, on the original system, and they're really just re-releasing them in an emulator for the new system. Uh, it'd be nice yeah. if they could sort of get their ducks in a row as far as getting global releases for those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the hackers online can do it, there's no way Nintendo can't. Right. All right, David Cunningham asks, what are your thoughts on the badge arcade, the themes, and all-around decorating of the 3DS user interface? I personally enjoy it, and I like having the badges to make categorized folders and different home screen music. He adds that he's still waiting on classic-styled Sonic badges. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Have you guys been using the Badge Arcade or the home themes very much? I really haven't been using the Badge Arcade at all. <laughs> I honestly, I don't I don't play my 3DS that much anymore just because there haven't mm-hmm. been uh, any big games released recently that really tickles my fancy. So. I actually play the 3DS more uh, between mm-hmm. Hyrule Warriors Legends, uh, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Picross. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was the recent Humble Bundle, which got a lot of indie games, so I've been playing SteamWorld Dig a little bit. Um there is there's Donkey Kong Country 2 now, there's Earthbound. So, I mean, yeah, but between all these things, the list is getting a little too long. Well, um, mine but, has been a Pokemon machine over the last yeah. few months. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Fire Emblem. Um, so I haven't really messed around with the Badge Arcade. I do like the themes, and I, I think it's great to see Nintendo introducing themes. I just wish more of them were free or really cheap instead of, you know, being yeah. kind of pricey. 
Yeah. Like I, like, I always think it's good when Nintendo announces a new title and, you know, they say, oh, it'll come with a free 3DS theme. I think that's great. It's a nice little way to get people excited mm-hmm. about the game. You know, they could decorate their 3DS to celebrate and stuff. But, you know, when you're charging a couple bucks for it, it I don't know, it just kind of seems yeah. like a deterrent and, like, that's not really necessarily a way they need to be looking to make a bunch of revenue. Yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to the decoration and it comes to the customization, I love it. I love it so much. Um, but I will say, I definitely think that it's overpriced every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, I'm not really a fan of the whole rotation setup in the Badge Arcade. Like, you know, I, I have no idea what I would replace it with, but between the badges rotating in these weird sets that I usually find to be pretty boring, um, and the high prices that you were talking about, you know, and, and plays in the badge arcade are like a dollar for every try and the themes are too expensive you know so between all that and the huge amount of dialogue i've pretty much just given up entirely on the badge arcade um you know it's it is a lot of fun and i've spent way more hours collecting and decorating than i care to admit but uh you know at a certain point it's just not worth it to me anymore um I'd have loved it if they did something like Pokemon Picross, where, you know, once you spend a certain amount in the Badge Arcade, you just have access to everything for free, and you can just unlimited tries. Um, you know, I would be infinitely more willing to spend money on that thing if it actually amounted to something worthwhile besides just an attempt at getting a badge that you might like, you know? Uh, there's just too many uncertainties in the current system. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the, the gotcha... Uh business model for badge arcade um yeah for and, better and or for worse it's like those claw machines it, it, yeah. that, that yeah, is what it is isn't it um well yeah yeah, yeah. but having, that's what i mean it's like it's like a game parallel right down to the we tricked you business model <laughs> right um yeah i personally haven't used the badge arcade either just like ben um i don't i really like the 3ds themes and i actually have paid for a few of them like i like the theme shop experience like that's all great mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like f- an experience like the Badgercade, like, I don't want to have to play a game just to get stuff for my, like, OS visuals. Yeah. Like, I think that's I think that's fun, but I think it's a silly way to kind of gate off that stuff. Well, well see, I think it would actually work really well if it were just cheaper, and, and it took a lot less time, because, I mean, the more the rabbit talks, the less I actually want to listen. Um, <laughs> but... You know, if you look at stuff like the PlayStation Network, you can download the themes, you go to the store, and you get all these lists and stuff. I mean, it's it's nice, it's convenient, it's a lot cheaper and easier, but it's also, you know, I can see where Nintendo's going, where they want to make the process of doing that actually more like a game, more entertaining, more engaging. Uh, but the part where they sort of screw that up is in the prices and in, you know, how clunky the interface is. In actually getting to those things, especially when so many of them are just, eh, because, you know, every person is going to like a different badge there. So you can't bundle like nine different badges and say, all right, have fun with your one dollar for every single try, you know, because some badges are going to take some badges are going to take seven or eight tries to get not just because you're not good at the thing, but just because they're buried in there. And it's like, who wants that? Yeah, I think that's fine. as like money on that. I think it's fine as like an experience within a particular game or app, but like mm-hmm. for for the for the OS, it just it just bugs yeah. me. Um, yeah. I do see them moving these kinds of cosmetic things uh, largely into the My Nintendo ecosystem going forward. Um, yeah, that's what uh, I'm hoping for. There will probably still be paid stuff too, but I'm sure you'll be able to get access to at least some of the stuff through My Nintendo. 
Um, and that, so I'm looking forward to things like that kind of coming down the line. Um, but yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of the badge arcade and that's, that's without ever having loaded it up at all. Just looking at the business model. I, I'm I'm not a fan. All right. Uh, next up river Gatensby asks, what are your thoughts on the mother four fan game? Uh, Alex, Ben, I don't know if either of you guys have been following this much or if you know much about it. Um, well, even if I was following it, as someone who's never played through a mother uh, game all the way you're right. at this point, he's a uh, heathen. I have no Alex. like no authority whatsoever to have thoughts. No soul. <laughs> yeah, I've been sort of uh, loosely following it. You know, I, I check in every now and then just to see if uh-huh. they've you know got any updates and things like that. Um, so I, I love what we've seen so far. You know, it definitely looks very promising. I'd still say I'm just sort of cautiously optimistic, though. Um, I like that they're really taking their time and putting a lot of work into it. You know, this is a project that's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's good to see that they're, you know, taking this seriously and not just trying to rush something out to make a name for themselves. But right. it, it's hard for me to make a real judgment on it yet, just because we've seen fairly little of the actual minute-to-minute gameplay. Yeah. Uh, and Mother Games, they've always been extremely immersive to me. And I just, you know, I, I enjoy just exploring the world and, like, seeing the sort of fairy tale story progress, or or more of a, like, an epic tale progress. Um, yeah. And so I, this, I think they've always done go a good ahead. job of sort of balancing, like, the, the kind of humor that just makes you go, what the hell, and just crack up laughing. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. But with serious moments and kind of dark plot twists along the way, it just creates right. this whole overall mother atmosphere that you don't really get from any other franchise. So until mm-hmm. I've actually gotten to, you know, run around in the world and talk to people and stuff, it's going to be hard to see uh, to say right now if it actually sort of nails the mother experience. The trailers right, look know, great, but, you know, it, you never know if, uh, if a trailer is going to translate to actual enriched gameplay, you know. Right, and beyond just the gameplay, you know, any promotional materials, they've been releasing screenshots, they've been releasing music, which all mm-hmm. sound and look fantastic. Uh, but you're talking about the sort of the the story arc of the Mother games. And, you know, it's an atmosphere, it's an experience that really hasn't quite been replicated anywhere else. Um, and those kinds of story beats are... I mean, some are certainly emotional, but, you know, the more common ones that I'm talking about where sometimes you go, what the hell, or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you are describing, those kinds of story beats are something that you really can't portray in any sort of trailer or screenshots or music. Mm-hmm. So no matter what they release, you know, you're never going to actually know whether it's a worthy successor to the Mother series uh, until it actually comes out and we get the chance to play it. Um, that said, it does look really impressive. Um, but you know, at this, at this point, my excitement has unfortunately waned, uh, since it's been in development for so dang long. Um, but you know, at at least visually, it looks like a fantastic successor for sure. Um, it's done a great job recapturing the series essence as far as we can tell too, uh, visually, musically, um, you know, everything they have released looks great. Um, and you know, the characters are really, really distinctly mother in their their design and in their portrayal that we can see so far um so hopefully yeah hopefully the full game is as good as the promotional materials that we've seen so far and i'm really hoping that you know the the rumors are true and nintendo releases mother 3 on virtual console this year because i think it would be great to just sit down and replay through that and then turn around and be able to play mother 4 when it comes out yeah that'd be nice all right. Well, that is our last Sacred Realm question. Um, it's a pretty short episode, which we were expecting. Um, I'm sick, so I don't know how early I'm going to just collapse tonight um, in editing. 
So apparently Ben and Alex haven't really been playing anything interesting to talk about. Um, and just just grinding in Hyrule Warriors Legends. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been pretty much, you know, just playing more of the same stuff we've been talking about in the game quarter in the past. Um, so I don't really have anything particularly new to say. Although, before we move on to the lightning round, uh, just so we can, you know, flush this out a little more, I would like to say that I just downloaded, so the, the Super Mario mashup pack in Minecraft launched about an hour and a half ago now, uh, and I downloaded that right before we recorded, um, trying to just get a feel for it real quick, and oh my god, that is amazing. It, they, I, I could not have asked for a better combination of Mario and Minecraft, you know, for an official release and for something that is free, and I mean, just kudos all around to yeah, Nintendo. The pre-made and, world looked uh, amazing in the trailer. Oh, and it's even better when you actually explore it. Um, and so I know neither of you guys have played Minecraft before, but there's also a whole other world in Minecraft called the Nether. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to anyone listening who thinks that's a spoiler. I really don't think it is, but I know some people. The game's uh, been out for how many years sensitive. now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so I. It's been so long since I played Minecraft, I completely forgot about the Nether, and I just by mistake stumbled upon the Mario World's uh, portal to the Nether. And it blew my mind, because first of all, I forgot about this place. Second of all, it is amazing what they did. The portal is just perfect, you know. What, what, I, is, I, the, what does the portal look like visually for, for the Mario I don't want to spoil it. Whoops. See, this, it was such this a cool a surprise for me that I don't, yeah. <laughs> okay. It was such a cool surprise that I don't want to sort of give it away. Um, but just huge props, because perfectly represented, and the whole nether is... You know, the Surface World, we see all this Mario stuff. We saw such an amazing breadth of content in the trailer. There's even more than that in the actual world. and But the Nether is just as much content, and it's all Bowser-themed. Oh, that all sounds All this Bowser stuff. It's amazing. You've got, you know, stuff from Mario 64. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw some 3D World stuff. I mean, this, this whole pack is just, you know, I, I can't rave enough about how much you know, how much went into making this and how much all you guys listening, if you haven't gotten Minecraft Wii U edition yet, you should go get it just for the Mario pack. It's incredible. It is worth it. You know, it's, and hopefully Nintendo's listening and they embrace this stuff more in the future. Cause this is, this is what should have happened with Minecraft in, in 2010. Yeah. yeah. Or I guess 12. <laughs> well, Wii U wasn't out Xbox then. Xbox but... ex- exclusivity. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, this should have happened with Minecraft a long time ago, and you know. But nevertheless, it happening now is still fantastic. And Minecraft is a game too that you know you can get really involved with it, really absorbed, no matter how much you've played it before. So even if you know you've lapsed on Minecraft or you've never got Minecraft before, there is no wrong time. There is no time <laughs> that's too late. There's no time it's that's true. too soon. You know, you should jump on this train because yeah. that's. I'm I'm totally picking Kudos. up the disc version of, of Minecraft Wii U in June. So yeah, Yay. you definitely. I I was thinking of waiting, but I decided you know what? I just got to splurge. I gotta I gotta get the Mario Pack when it's out. I gotta get Waluigi. I gotta go ride that horse. Um, yeah, my thing is I refuse to fill up my Wii U flash memory. So <laughs> yeah, luckily it's only about like 500 600 megabytes. So that's sure. that's what did me in. That's when I decided it was worth just downloading. Um, sure. Anyway, so let's move on to the lightning round. 
We have now arrived at the beloved lightning round where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all these links. So first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. On Wii U, the Super Mario Mashup Pack is now available in Minecraft. The Ice Climbers costume and the event course are now live in Super Mario Maker. And Zelda Phantom Hourglass is now available in the Virtual Console. On 3DS, Disney Art Academy is available now. Also, My Nintendo has a batch of new rewards in Europe and two new missions in North America. You can now register for the Pokemon Go beta in the US. Finally, the real one is live! But do note that registering does not guarantee you a spot, so... You know, just keep that in mind. And you can now pre-order the new wave of Splatoon Amiibo at Best Buy and a special edition Monster Hunter Generations 3DS at GameStop. And I'm not, like, a fan of Monster Hunter, really, uh, but that is a beautiful 3DS. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. May 19th, Medley comes to Hyrule Warriors for free, and the Wind Waker Master Pack launches for the 3DS version. May 20th, this Friday, Fire Emblem Fates, Birthright, and Conquest launch in Europe. Uh, also May 20th, Pokemon players can download a shiny Evelt doll, which is available until May 26th. And also May 20th, the 2DS will officially cost just $80. May 21st, Nintendo NY is holding a Pokémon Tournament Championship. May 24th is the last day for Pokemon players to get Darkrai at GameStop. At E3, Sega is holding a special event for Sonic's 25th anniversary. On June 15th, Japan is getting an official novel for Ace Attorney. On June 30th, Australia is getting official Zelda trading cards. Meanwhile, Japan's getting official Splatoon playing cards in July. July 15th, Monster Hunter Generations launches in the West. And September 30th, Yokai Watch 2 launches in North America. And finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened in the past week. Fancy parties beat costume parties in the latest Splatfest. I'd say, yeah, we did, but I forgot to register for Splatfest. <laughs> <laughs> the director of Elite Beat Agents said there could hopefully be a sequel on NX. Koro Koro released a new trailer for Sun and Moon, which hides a glimpse at a new Pokemon. Sakurai explained the truth behind some common misconceptions about his favoritism in Smash Bros, also revealing that the Yoshi's Woolly World stage was originally based on Kirby's epic yarn. Emily Rogers says that NX uses custom chips comparable in power to Xbox One. Nintendo revealed that they don't share any of the personal information they collect in Mitomo. Smash Bros. is getting a new balance patch this month. And Bayonetta will probably get nerfed, right? Oh my god, and hopefully <laughs> Jigglypuff goes up there. Jigglybuff. Jigglybuff. <laughs> uh, Capcom's got another new Monster Hunter game in the works. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE will have all its DLC available at launch, except a Hot Springs pack. And Yacht Club Games would be surprised if Nintendo content cameoed in Shovel Knight at this point. Japan's getting an utterly adorable batch of Pokemon merch, starring the Substitute doll. A homebrew mod lets you display a Twitter feed on an original NES. Splatoon is gaming's most successful new IP in Japan since the Wii Sports line. Sonic's brand officer says that the series is a perfect fit for theme parks. Nintendo is considering making as much of their movies as possible on their own, rather than partnering with other studios. Pokemon Sun and Moon's starters may have had their final evolutions types leaked. And the next Story of Seasons games will let players have Hamtaro as a pet. So everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot. And they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. It's very greatly appreciated. 
If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and on Twitter, that's at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Uh, again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy a gorgeous rendition of the Magicant theme from Earthbound Beginnings, which you may recognize now from Super Smash Bros. Several fantastic musicians worked together on this rendition, and it definitely paid off. So thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. with Trainer Tips, a new advice segment on the show where we read emails from listeners like you when you're having trouble navigating the cold, hard world of gaming and offer our incredulous insights. Um, I have to make sure... Yep, all my sound effects are coming on. Hold on, I gotta change all these. Mute everything. Whoops.